Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings and chapter number 1. The book of 2 Kings and chapter number 1. The series that we're currently in, in the life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha, is a little bit different book or a different series because it crosses two books. It just doesn't stay in 1 Kings, but it has the beginning in 1 Kings, but then extends out to the book of 2 Kings. Of course, we understand within the Hebrew Bible that the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel are considered one book, and the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings is considered one book. And so we're actually taking two books and splitting it together, or one book and splitting it apart. And so it's just a continuation. So don't Don't let the idea that we're in a brand new book disrupt your thinking. It is a continuation of what has already occurred. So we find our way to the book of 2 Kings in chapter number 1. The book of 2 Kings in chapter number 1, and if you don't mind, let's see the continuation of what we heard this morning in the life and ministry of Elisha. And notice with me in verse number 1. Then Moab rebelled against Israel After the death of Ahab, and Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria, and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go and inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub the god of Ekron? And now therefore thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are you now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man to meet us, and said unto us, Go turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from the bed on that which thou... (coughs) are gone up, but thou shalt surely die. And he said unto them, Which manner of man was he which came up to meet you, and told you these words? And they answered him, He was a hairy man, and girt a leather of or girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. And the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on top of a hill. And he spoke unto him, Thou man of God, the king hath said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said unto the captain of the fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven, and consume thee in thy fifty. And there came down a fire from heaven, and consumed him and his fifty. 
Again also he sent unto him another captain of the fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elisha answered and said unto him, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. And the third of the fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah. And besought him and said, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burnt up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight." And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him, be not afraid of him. And when he arose and went down with him unto the king, and he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Forasmuch as thou hast sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it not because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore thou shalt not come down off the bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die." So he died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. And Jehoram reigned in his stead in the second year of Jehoram, the king of Jehoshaphat, or the son of King Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because he had no son. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaziah in which he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? Now, as we approach this story here, and then we're going to see a New Testament commentary on this story, I want to teach a principle that Jesus is going to teach his disciples a little bit later. And I want to show you this idea, the dispensation of grace. The dispensation of grace. With the Lord's help, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the great day that you've given to us to allow the gospel to go out so clearly this morning and that there was people that did not know you as Savior to hear that. Now as we come on this Sunday night, we have mostly a crowd that knows you as Savior. We know that this message is meant for us to understand how you work and how you expect us to operate within the time frame that we live in. We're asking that the message would be clear and that it'd be easily understood and that we could see that you have a plan, that you have a desire to get accomplished here in our lifetime and there's a manner and a spirit in which you want it to be accomplished. Again, help open up your word in a special way that we may learn of you and whom you are. Thank you, Lord. Fill me with your precious spirit now and you get your own work accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we could see that the story of Elijah continues on. We know that he's already had an exciting time. And most of the time he's dealt with wicked King Ahab. Of course, Jezebel's there and has threatened his life. But Ahab, for the most part, has uh, been Elijah's direct contact dealing with the Israelite government, with Samaria. But, as we saw this morning, that as God had said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And indeed, Ahab died, and he perished by an unknown archer who happened to hit his target, and Ahab died. After that, his son Ahaziah came to power, or Ahaziah came to power, and he came through a little incident. If you don't mind, the very first thing I'd like to bring to your attention from this passage is a godless leader. 
a godless leader. So Ahaziah became king. And in the second year of his ruling, notice what occurred. Uh, notice we see the history now starting at verse 1. And Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in the upper chamber. So in his second year, what is happening is maybe he's working on his roof. Maybe something's going on. He's in his house. But he falls through a lattice. Uh, it could be like a wooden lattice or a glass lattice. But however it is, he fell from the second story. He fell through the flooring or fell through whatever it is. And he fell down and he fell down hard. Notice what occurs to him in verse number 2. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. So whatever it is, he hit himself pretty bad. He's wounded. He's hurting. He's on the place of dying. Maybe he hit just right and his liver is bleeding. Maybe it's his kidneys. Maybe there's another organ. But something is happening and he's very much in need of medical attention. But they didn't do surgeries like they have today. So there's not an ER to rush him to. The doctors are doing their best with what limited knowledge they have. And so what he does is since the medical doctors have done their thing and they can't do anything for him. Now he has to ask for spiritual help. And so what he does is he sends some messengers. Notice he sent some messengers and said unto them, Go and inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Now we could see some very important things. That first of all, we know that he didn't seek for God. And that's going to be the whole emphasis of this chapter, is that he did not seek after the god of Israel. Well, Knowing who his parents were, Ahab and Jezebel, he probably was not raised in Sunday school. He probably didn't take time to read his Bible. And as far as he knew, every time he heard his mom speak about Elijah and his God, it wasn't a favorable idea. And so he had to look for helps from somewhere. The God of Elijah's off. By the way, Jezebel's still alive. So she probably was not encouraging him to go find Elijah or go find the God of Israel. And so they go to Ekron. As we have taken time to teach some of you before, Ekron is an important city. It is a Philistine city. And the Philistines were always the enemies of the Israelites. And so I want you to go down to the city of the enemy of the Israelites. And I want you to go find their local god, Beelzebub. And surely Beelzebub can give an answer. You go pray to him. You go ask him, am I going to recover from this? And so he sends the messengers on. But notice in verse 3. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise and go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria. And so Elijah's minding his own business. Maybe he's preaching. Maybe he's helping some people out. And the angel of the Lord says, Elijah, God's got something for you to do. Those messengers over there, go intercept them. And you go give them a message from me. And so Elijah comes up. And we notice that this message is repeated over and over and over. What is this message? And say unto them, is it not because there is not a God in Israel? So the message is, hey, is there not a God of Israel? Is that why you have to go all the way down there to go find some God? There's no God here that you could go find. You have to go miles out of the way, hundreds of miles to go seek some God. And again, God's not happy because God is a real God. They're going to go travel hundreds of miles out of their way to go seek a God that cannot answer prayers. A God that's not alive at all. And God is not pleased with it. And so he said, is there not a God in Israel that you may go to inquire of Bel, of uh, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. Now, therefore, 
Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but surely die. And Elijah disappeared, which he's pretty good at disappearing. So he intercepts these messengers and says, Sorry boys, I got a message for your king. He's not going to get better. And it's because he didn't seek for God. You have to, he's sending you all this other way to go find some false God. You wouldn't look for the God of Israel. He's the one that could have helped. He's the one that could have been a blessing. But you didn't seek for him. And so guess what? Your master is going to die. He's not going to get any better. So the messengers say, hey, look, we got our answer. And they came back in. The king was not expecting them to be gone just a couple of minutes. He was expecting to be gone several days there and several days back. But a couple of minutes later, they come in and say, we're back. What are you doing back? Well, some prophet stopped us and he told us you're not going to get better. So you got your answer. Well, that's strange, isn't it? The king says, who is this guy? Describe him. What does he look like? Well, he's a hairy guy. And he's got a leather girdle. And he's got a grasshopper leg dipped in honey sticking outside of his teeth. I know who that is. That's Elijah. My daddy told me about Elijah. My daddy told me about Mount Carmel. My daddy told me the time that he went in Naboth's vineyard and went behind him. Oh, my mom hates it. I know who that is. Oh, we'll show him whose God is real. And so he gets... One of his captains, one of the generals, the guy who's in charge of 50 troops. Go get him. You go get Elijah and you bring him to me. And it wasn't a nice, kind request. It wasn't a pretty please. Can you go see if you get the preacher to come and see me? It was more that we're going to show him how dare he speak to me that way. And so not only do we see a godless leader, but then we see a God-fearing preacher. A God-fearing preacher. And so up comes the captain of the 50s. Notice if you don't mind as we see this account in verse number 9. Then the king sent unto him a captain of the 50 with his 50s. So what you have is a, a troop of 51 men. You got the guy who's in charge, the 50 troops beside him. And they go all the way up to a little hill where Elisha's standing on. Elijah's having a good day. Maybe he's reading his Bible, but he's looking down. And the captain of the 50 stands up and says, Oh, man of God. And the way that he says the man of God is not an affectionate term. It's not a type of term where he's asking nicely. It's more of a derogatory making fun of him. Oh, you man of God, we got you. You come down. The king is ordered for you to come down. And so Elijah crosses his arms and says, Listen here. If I be a man of God, let the fire of God come down. And whoosh, the fire of God came from heaven and just consumed them all. Could you imagine what a sight that would be? Just fire come down. I mean, this is the same fire of God that came down in Mount Carmel. That was so hot that it melted and destroyed the altar, the sacrifice, the rocks, the dust, the water. Licked it all up. That same fire came down from heaven. And again... Why is this happening? Because there's a king that doesn't believe there's a God in Israel. So Elijah is being used to say there is a God of Israel. And to prove it to you, let me show you what God can do. This is evidence that he's real. Once again, we see the power of prayer. How is the king going to see that God is real? By answered prayer. And so the first set of 50 is come and gone. After that comes a second set of 50. 
This guy hasn't learned anything. He figured he'd go ahead and succeed, so he comes up to the same hill. Elijah hasn't done, moved it. He's still standing there, waiting. He says, oh, man of God, come down. Okay. If I be the man of God, let fire come from heaven and consume you. And once again, second, can you imagine being a neighbor? What's going on? Boom. And then again, boom. What's going on out there? Fire comes down and destroys all of them. Another gone. 102 people are gone in just a matter of hours. Wiped out to show everyone there is a God. Well, the third guy had learned his lesson. Could you imagine being sent out? Hey, you, I want you to go get Elijah. No one was volunteering for this job at this point. No one wanted to be the person to go out. But this one had learned a little bit. He's going to go plead for his life. Notice as he approaches Elisha. And he approaches Elisha just a little bit different. And notice if you don't mind in verse 13. And he sent again a captain of the third 50 with his 50. And the third captain of the 50 went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. And besought him and said, oh man of God, I pray thee. Let my life and the life of... These fifty, thy servants, be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came down fire from heaven and burnt up the two captains with the former fifties, with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. Well, that's a little bit different uh, tact, right? Instead of demanding the man of God to do something, please don't kill me, Elijah. I'm just doing what I'm told. Please don't kill us. We're just doing... This time the angel of the Lord tapped him. By the way... It was the angel of the Lord that had been directing Elijah the whole time. It was the angel of the Lord to go intercept the messengers who told Elijah to go to intercept the messengers. We imply here that it was the angel of the Lord that had directed Elijah to rain down fire. And it was after God's permission. So it wasn't Elijah's thing himself. It wasn't of his own selfish motives. He's being directed by God with everything he is doing. This time the angel of the Lord says, Elijah, you're good. Go with him. Okay, you imagine the relief, the sweat off the brow of that third captain. I guarantee they weren't willing to handcuff the man of God. They were just, let's escort him. Whatever he wants to do, we're not going to aggravate him. And they bring him to the king. And so he goes before the king. And Elijah repeats the same message again to the king. Is there not a God in Israel? That you have to go down and seek Beelzebub, the god of Ekron. He says, because of that, you are not getting out of your bed in which you've now been put up. You're going to die because you refuse to acknowledge there is a god in heaven. A very clear message for the king. There is a god in heaven. And that Ahijah, or excuse me, that the king here... He had every opportunity to turn to God, but he still refused, mostly because of his influence of his father and of his mother. And he had a terrible outcome and he died, only ruling for about two years. Now we fast forward to the New Testament. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the Gospel record of Luke in chapter 9. The Gospel record of Luke, chapter 9, and I want to show you, not only did we start off with a godless leader, then we came to a God-fearing preacher, but then we come to a graceful Savior. A graceful Savior. 
Turn with me to the gospel record of Luke in chapter 9. And as you turn there, let me catch you up on the story. Earlier, <laughs> just a little bit earlier, Jesus had taken um, Peter, James, and John to the Mount of Transfiguration. And it was there they saw Jesus take off his robe of, of um, flesh. And for a moment they saw the glory of God. For a moment they saw him turned inside out. And Jesus wasn't alone. That when they looked, they saw Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus Christ. And they watched that. Can you imagine what it would be like to see Jesus and Moses and Elijah talking? And by the way, they were talking about Jesus going to the cross. Jesus talked all about them. We'll get that later when we get to the gospel record of Mark, that series that's next. But they took time to talk to Moses and Elijah. Now, after seeing Elijah, I bet you Peter, James, and John said, you wouldn't believe who we saw. We saw Elijah. We got to hear that old man of God talk. And he was telling stories with Jesus. And naturally, that would prompt them to go back and revisit these stories. They probably said, oh man, can you imagine what it was like to talk to Elijah when he ran down fire from heaven inside of Mount Carmel? They probably remembered the story that we just recounted here where Elijah had called down fire to rain down on two captains in their 50s. And so this is fresh in mind when Jesus sends them to Samaria to go prepare a place. If you don't mind, let's pick this story up in the gospel record of Luke chapter 9. And notice with me in verse 51. The gospel record of Luke chapter 9 in verse 51. And it came to pass... When the time was come that he, that's Jesus, should be received up, he, Jesus, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of Samaritans to make ready for him. Now, Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He's in Galilee. And usually what would happen is because the Jewish people did not like the Samaritans and the Samaritans did not like the, uh, excuse me, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, that usually what would happen is that to go from Galilee to Jerusalem, they would cross the Jordan River, go all the way around the Transjordan side, then cross the Jordan River back into Judea. They would usually avoid going to Samaria. But Jesus said, no, let's take the short path, guys. And so before he's starting to uh, head that away, he sends some servants to go and to a certain village to prepare provisions, to get supplies, to go ahead and have somewhere to sleep. However, when they get there, the Samaritan says, we don't want Jesus. We don't want him here. And the Samaritans rejected Jesus from coming in. We're not going to supply him. He can't stay here. And they rejected Jesus completely. Now, with the story of Elijah still in their mind, they're thinking about what had happened when the people rejected the God of Israel and how Elijah rained down fire. Now here they have the God that did rain down the fire with them. All right. Maybe we can see some action. Let's get some excitement going. So verse 53. And they did not receive him. They did not receive Jesus because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, who just got through seeing Elijah at the Mount Transfiguration, saw this, they said, Lord, 
Will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? You can almost see this. James and John crack their knuckles. God, can we rain down fire? Can we do this? I mean, they're excited. Oh, yeah. Elijah did it. We have the same God. Let's rain down fire. Let's do it. This is great. Let's show them for saying no to Jesus. They're ready to go. But notice how Jesus answers them. In verse 54. uh, Verse 55. But he, that's Jesus, turned and rebuked them, James and John, and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. They don't have the right spirit. Notice what he does answer in verse 56. For the Son of Man is not to come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. Imagine this. They got through hearing the story of Elijah and how he rained down. Let's prove to them that Jesus is God. Let's show them. Let's rain down fire. And Jesus says, stop. That is not what we're here. We're not here to kill people. We're not here to destroy people. We're here to bring them salvation. How graceful our Savior is. How graceful he is. Jesus didn't want those Samaritans to die. Because if they died without a Savior, they would perish and go to hell. Jesus is trying to rebuke them and say, no, you don't understand what you're asking. We need to be helping those people, not wiping them off and destroy them. You know, sometimes we as Christians, we get to the place where we get tired of people pushing us around, bullying us around, passing laws against us. And sometimes what we want is a good old fashioned bonfire. Let's show God that God's real. Oh, if we could just get a big flame to go through Washington. Oh, if we could show those people who are protesting. We'll show them. Oh. But notice what Jesus said. But you don't know what spirit you are. You know, part of the reason why we feel that away, it's not from God. It's because of our own pride. We're upset that they're rejecting us and what we believe. We're not doing it for defense of the Savior. We're doing it for us. When James and John are cracking their knuckles, it's all pride. We'll show them! God doesn't want to show them. He wants them to be saved. God has commanded us to be graceful people. Be gracious even with our enemies. Because God is not willing that any shall perish. But also come to repentance. It doesn't matter who it is. You understand that God wants President Obama to come to know Jesus Christ as his savior. You understand that if Adolf Hitler would have been willing to bow his head. God would have saved Adolf Hitler. That God would have been willing to die for Joseph Stalin. It is us and our pride that gets in the way. And that is not the spirit that God wants. We should be gracious to everyone whether they like us or not. Again, we have to guard what spirit spirit it is. Because God's not going to honor that pride. And he's not going to show off to make us look good. But God wants all people to come to know Jesus as our Savior.
It's the graciousness that people need. You understand our enemies know when they are mean to us. And they can understand retaliation because that's human nature. There's not a single one of us that don't have enough flesh in us that we don't want something bad to happen to someone who hurt us. There's none of us that are that spiritual. But that's not the spirit of Christ. That's the spirit of our flesh. When we're willing to forgive those that do us wrong, when we're willing to be a blessing to those that hurt us, that's the spirit that shows our God is real. How do we show that our God is real in today's age? It's not raining fire. This is why we call it the dispensation of grace. How do we show people that our God is real? Because we're willing to show gracefulness and not revenge. Because we're willing not to get back at them. We're willing not to show them. That's not the spirit of Christ. And it's something we all have to guard. Like I said, all of us have that within us. We all have enough uh, uh, flesh within us. And all of us have enough bad days. You just let someone just pile it on on us. And then we start in our own minds wishing, oh, God will show them. Sometimes we might even get to the place where we're praying, God, you fix them. That's not the right spirit. The spirit of Christ is gracefulness. Because he's not willing that any shall perish, but also come to repentance. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be the most foulest, evilest person in town. God wants them to be saved. It could be the most horrific serial killer. And God would want them to be saved. It could be the most hardened, immoral man that you know. And God wants them to be saved. We have to guard our own spirit. We have to have the spirit of Christ. We have to learn to die to self. And this is why he rebuked them. James and John. I mean, could you imagine this? Just hours, days from seeing Elijah and Elisha. They're ready to rain down fire. God has to corral them in and say, this isn't right. That's why I made emphasis that... That Elijah, the reason why he rained down fire is because he's being directed by God. It wasn't to show off to them. It was God directing things and this is what God had wanted to do. God has not told us to rain down fire. Can God rain down fire if he wanted to? That's not what God has designed us to do. And aren't you glad? How many of us know people that would not be alive today if we rained down fire? <laughs> God can't trust us with it. <laughs> but what God has trusted us with is to die to self, die to when people abuse us, die to when people misuse us, die when people continue to say awful things to us and that we desire for them to be saved. We have to be careful because we have politicians today that aggravate the fire out of us. How do we deal with them? Don't pray that, you know, a truck hits them or that they pickle themselves to death with all the vodka that they're drinking. But pray that they get saved. Pray that God would save their soul, that they would be willing to accept Christ as their Savior, that someone would be brave enough and caring enough that someone would witness to them. Hey, why not write a letter to them yourself and tell them, let me tell you what happened to me and how God saved me. 
For God is not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. The dispensation of grace. That's where we're at. That's where we live. And that's the spirit that Christ desires for us to have. Gracefulness. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three oh six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.